Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show, New Zealand's aviation podcast series. If you have not already done so, please check out our extensive archive of past shows, either on the Wings Over Cambridge website or on iTunes. Please rate the show on iTunes and leave a review there. And please like our Facebook page. You can find us at www.facebook.com slash show. That's W-O-N-Z-S-H-O-W. You can rate and review the shows there on Facebook, or you can go to the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, where there's a whole little section just for the show. The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from WarbirdRadio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening and hope to hear from you sometime at WarbirdRadio.com. G'day, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. And we're from Plane Crazy Down Under, Australia's aviation show. And you can find us at planecrazydownunder.com. We reckon for the best coverage of the Kiwi Warbird restoration and aviation scene, you can't go past Dave Homewood and the Wings Over New Zealand show. On you, Dave. Yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, we got to get to New Zealand soon. Where is that anyway? Well, it's where I grew up. I thought that was Brisbane. Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended. I remember some men started prying and others started crying um, partway through it. One guy got to his feet and started to run. I was scared and let that be no secret. Next thing they set the spando up there and they opened up. And there's bloody trees, bits of trees flying. And... New Zealand tanks were over the other river and one of our men said to them, he said, don't start your tanks up. For five minutes, we'll be out of it. Well, some silly bugger started his tank and the Germans put over a shell in right in the middle of the bridge. It was a bitterly cold morning and I was crouched down in this damn hole and it took me two days before I could stand up straight again. Here are the stories of New Zealanders in the Italian campaign in World War II, the Courage and Valor podcast, www.newzealandersatwar.com. The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz. Welcome 
to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Over New Zealand show. I'm your host Dave Homewood. A couple of months ago I called in on Lindsay Budge in Tauranga. He's one of our wartime RNZF veterans who served in RAF Bomber Command. But he's a, he's a little bit unusual than most because he was a tail gunner on B-17 Flying Fortresses. Here's Lindsay. Yes well my name is Lindsay Albert Budge. Uh, I was born on the 8th of January 1920, um, brought up on a farm, yep. um, spent all my younger days on farm life, and uh, then went to secondary school in Monganui, right. uh, and um, I had three years at secondary school there, and then uh, it was middle of depression at that time, and uh, very difficult to get uh, uh, get jobs, and. Uh, so my father sent me down to Massey College to do a dairy science course. And uh, well, that finished about June and there was a short uh, herd testing course. So I took that on too. And, uh, and then on the 1st of August, I, I was studying herd testing in Taranaki. Oh, okay. Yeah. At uh, 16, I was the uh, youngest bloke at the time to get a diploma to, uh, there. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and then fate would have it, I, I got a, uh, a, a one from uh, John Key just a few years ago. Uh, they were wanting the oldest uh, herd tester in New Zealand uh, from uh, Ruakura. And I said to my wife, oh, I think I might try that. So I rang up and uh, I said, oh, you know, when were you herd testing? And I said, First of August, 1936. Oh, I said, we've got nothing like that here. <laughs> so uh, I visited a, a, a book, a hundred years, uh, uh, on herd testing. Wow, oh, fantastic. So um, I had um, two two years herd testing in South Taranaki, and uh, things were pretty grim in those days. Uh, I felt sorry for the cows because you know, there wasn't much concrete around, and uh, and mud, oh man, there was mud everywhere, and uh, he opened the door and let the cows out and uh, take about two steps, and then they were in a pool of mud. And uh, so, uh, but anyhow, things have improved a great deal now. Thanks to things. So, uh, uh, so I com- completed that, and then um, 19 uh, uh, September, I um, leased my father's farm. But prior. Well, that's on the 1st of June 1939, but prior to that I'd been in the cadets at Wanganui Tech yep. and um, it was the usual thing for uh, cadets to carry on for compulsory military training. So, um, of course, with the horses I joined the Queen Alexander Mounted Rifles. Okay, yep. And, uh, uh, I don't know, I think it must be one of the oldest left because uh, I did a camp and we used to have 
camps two weeks a year at uh, Waverley Racecourse. And uh, so I did 30, 38 and 39. And in 39, it didn't really look as if uh, war was imminent then. Okay. You know, and uh, anyhow, gradually got on. They were arguing there in England, and uh, father come down to the cow shed for the morning and said, Oh, Lindsay, uh, uh, we're at war with Germany. So um, that was a start of a long period. So about six days later, I got a a letter from the Defence Department uh, uh, saying I want my services. So I didn't know what to do, just getting a start and, uh, and I heard and uh, anyhow I went and saw the factory manager and had a talk to him and he saw Lindsay, look, I said, look, I don't mind if I get off this year, you know, get, I'll go into camp after that. So anyhow, that was arranged. So. So, of course, I went into the army first of all because they didn't uh, too many applicants for the for the air force. So I I, I just really wasted my time in the army in uh, in Monganui at the time. Uh, some of us were uh, um, I was uh, did a turn of butchery and the uh, freezing work. Some of us were taken off uh, essential work, and uh, so. Uh, and then uh, I got my posting to uh, uh, to Marston, and that was the Hood Aerodrome at Marston, and uh, that that was a organisation that was set up to train all young airmen. Uh, it was a, we were brand new in the place, and all everything was brand new and uh, lovely facilities and. Uh, uh, only the first night we were there, I uh, uh, had an awful, awful earthquake. Oh! <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, some of the boys had never felt an earthquake, uh, you know, up this way and that. And the, uh, the, 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 the water in the, in the tanks were going back like that, and eventually the, uh, the caves had all together. But, uh, yeah. So that was my introduction, really. But we had very good. Um, uh, training there, a lot of it, um, uh, you know, military training, that sort of thing, and then uh, we had practical work as well. Yeah. So w were you in the Air Force by the stage? Yes. Well, it was called the Aerodrome Defence Unit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I uh, completed that, and uh, and uh, 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 what was it? At Rotorua, completed the course at Rotorua, and um, uh, I had a certain exam to go uh, overseas. So I sat as an exam. It was a navigation one, and uh, and I made a boob in a wind vector. <laughs> so uh, I, that that put me back again, and uh, and uh, then I passed out next to a, a wireless operator. Uh, and then um, from Rotorua we uh, sailed from Wellington in an uh, American Liberty boat called the Lurline and um, uh, the, uh, then we took off uh, from Wellington and uh, 
never saw land until we went to the coast of America, after uh, South America, right. and we went up there. And then our first call was to San Diego. It was one that we probably shouldn't call, but it was a one of our chaps. Um, uh, they have a great day for for going over the equator. You know, they just ships crew and that. And, and uh, there's a fellow, Doug Gunner, there a lot, and uh, Doug jumped from one deck down to the other, and he broke both of his ankles. So uh, I had to pull in there with the other one for life there, because you know, he was in the hospital at San Diego for a long time. And uh, and um, we disembarked at, um, at um, San Francisco, and it was... Uh, Long way into the sea, they go, have you been to San Francisco? No. No, it's got a long, long entry into the harbour. And uh, it was very foggy, and the boats were, had their fog horns on, and, that, and then it cleared up a bit, and we, we passed the island of Alcatraz. And, um, and then um, under, the, under the Golden Gate Bridge, and, and then over to um, oh, I just forget the name of the town, but um, we had a few hours there, then we put on a, a train to take us to various places. Some were going to Vancouver and some were going to um, Alberta and, and uh, so anyhow um, we were quite amused because um, it was food. we had all our meals on the train and they were black white waitress, waitress men, men, and they could get a plate and go around with it like that, and never, never spill a drop. And, and uh, so we had, we got to Vancouver, and uh, we had a, about a day's leave in Vancouver, and then I went over the Rockies, and uh, and uh, um, I went on to um, Winnipeg, that's where gunners were. And uh, so um, that proved a very, very hospitable people, the Canadians. Uh, we, we arrived on Wednesday and uh, we chummed up with our mates there by that time. And so mate and I just went down to, to, to Winnipeg town and, uh, and uh, when we got on the tram, uh, there was nobody on it except six. Except a, a few ex-servicemen, uh, yeah. and uh, and then um, next stop, a lot of people got on. So I got my seat up to give it to a lady there, and uh, and anyhow we were chugging along there, and uh, uh, she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, uh, "How long have you been in New Zealand?" And uh, I said, "Oh, we just arrived on Wednesday." Went a little bit further. She tapped me again and said, uh, "Would you and your friend like to come over to dinner at my place tomorrow night?" And she said, "A nice, genuine sort of people." I said, "Oh yes, it is. Thank you very much. Very kind of." So that proves to be our, our home the whole time we're in Winnipeg. Uh, she, she was an Englishman and married a. Canadian uh, uh, serviceman during the First World War, and uh, 
they had a daughter and then a set of twins about our age, which we, we took out for a long time, and a son. And, uh, and uh, they were a lovely, lovely family. I took my wife back there after uh, you know, nearly 40 years, I suppose it was. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. At um, Winnipeg, we were doing um, a lot of Morse code and, uh, and um, the intricate parts of a radio and all that sort of thing. And a lot of it was sort of beyond me. But uh, um, I didn't do that well in the, uh, uh, with the Morse. I couldn't take take Morse. It's a it's a thing. It's got a rhythm with it, and you can either take it or you can't take it. Yeah. And uh, so I was down to air gun, and that's about the lowest you could get then. And, uh, so anyhow, I said, "Oh well, take the term." And uh, so um, I went to uh, Quebec City after that. Okay. And uh, th that was a, a great place too, because uh, um, the Chateau Fontenac, the large hotel there, that's where uh, Churchill, Roosevelt, and, uh, and Stalin had their one of their summit meetings. Right. Uh, very narrow streets in, uh, in there, and uh, but um, and then I had to go back to McDonald in Manitoba again, and. Uh, and uh, that's where I got my wingers, and uh, and then we were posted to uh, uh, posted to Montreal, awaiting uh, transport to England, and uh, we sailed from there to um, uh, from Halifax, Nova Scotia, to uh, uh, Green uh, Greenock in Scotland. Okay. A very very rough trip. I, I, I never wanted to sail again after that. It just just uncanny how cruel those waves can be and uh, anyhow I got to England and I got uh, uh, it's all in a log book there um, uh, we, we were there for a while and then uh, posted to uh, New Zealand OTU at a place called Westcott in, uh, in Buckinghamshire and um, so that's where I joined my uh, my crew, and uh, uh, the pilot was an Eng Englishman, and uh, um, the other gunner was a New Zealander from Palmerston North, and uh, the wireless op was a fellow Bill Bailey from Christchurch, and uh, yes, oh, and a fellow Adams, he was the bomb aimer, and uh, so we were together, and uh, uh, we went through. Yeah, uh, OTU on uh, on uh, Wellingtons, and then we went uh, onto the multi engine, then on the Stirlings, and uh, we had to um, you know, do a fair bit of short training for them, and uh, and then we passed out, and uh, we were sent to a hundred group, and uh, that was where. Specialising on this particular squadron, and specialising on one thing. Uh, it might be um, might be radio, radio research, and, and the other one that we trained for was to supply the underground with supplies and that sort of thing. And uh, and um, yeah, so we had a 
that was a very intricate business because you, you had a, uh, uh, you, you dropped it about a thousand feet all the uh, ammunition and that and uh, you dropped on three lights called Eureka and dropped it between the second and third lights and uh, and that but uh, we we never got onto it we, we crashed on the first ta takeoff oh. all all looking forward to there and uh, partly it's due I think to the pilot he uh, he wasn't a very strong little chap but um, it was a, uh, it was a windy day and uh, and uh, we took off and uh, just got in our starboard in a cut two thirds down the runway and we just left the ground and had a stabbed out again. So, uh, we went straight in and, and none of us were killed. Uh, we, we all got uh, smacked around a little bit. So anyhow, when I uh, recuperated, I was, had quite a bad uh, break in my ankle. Um, of course, I had to go back to Stratus all again, and that's where they uh, uh, fill up the crews, you know. So I, I was, uh, I was in the uh, mess there, and that's not a mess, um, flight room, one day, and uh, Chippy came up to me, and he was a flight lieutenant. And he said, uh, "Kiwi, what are you doing here?" I said, oh, "Waiting to get crewed up, sir." He said, uh, oh yes, and uh, you know, asked me a few questions. And he said, look, would you come over to our house? We got a, he was married and they had permanent houses or something. So we went over that night and I met his uh, navigator and bomb and uh, 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 the three of them were commissioned. And he was a nice guy, so I worked with him and, uh, and uh, he was flying B-17s. So, uh, so I did a, I did thirty odd trips with him, and uh, uh, they're they're all in the book there. Well, tell me about the B seventeen. It was a bit of a different thing for the Kiwis to get into, wasn't it? You know, if I'd been a betting man, when I come home, I could have made a lot of money because you get a lot of the army chaps and and and, and the airports. Said no, no. There was no, there was no, uh, uh, no uh, fortresses in our uh, air force. But, but it was, it was a good type of plane. It was, um, it was slow. It was slow and uh, but very reliable and um, uh, good at uh, high altitudes. And uh, um, No, it had, it had a lot going for us, really, and uh, of course I don't, I don't think the the Germans realised that uh, we, we and the Americans were flying at night, but we, we were on this radar business. And uh, I know that the Americans had ten members of crew on their B-17s. Did the RAF squadron have ten in the crew? No, we we had. Um, uh, it's. We, we uh, in in uh, case we were dropping window, uh, that's a metallic. But we know all about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, we had two two um, extra gunners on there, uh, 
but otherwise there was just a uh, pilot, a navigator, uh, engineer, uh, Bamaima, Valasop, uh, and uh, mid upper gunner and uh, rear gunner. Okay, so seven, just like the Lancaster. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't a second pilot? No. That's interesting because the Americans always had two pilots on board, didn't they? Yes. No, the, the engineer had been, uh, he had gone through uh, landing and that sort of thing. So, and For emergencies purposes? It was, a, it was a wonderful crew. We, we built up uh, a great camaraderie and uh, I was fortunate enough to to have had the money to go over and I took my wife over four times. Uh, we, uh, the mid-upper gunner was a Canadian, so we went through Canada twice and uh, we, we had nearly all the crew come out and stay with us on the farm and it was, uh, it was just wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah they all loved it from there. Uh, so, so, so with your, uh, your B-17, what was the role, the main roles that you were doing? Because it was all special duty stuff. Oh yes, it was. It was high tech. Uh, um, I, I don't know the full amount myself because it was a. It, it's just surprising in the same crew, but uh, the, 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 the navigator and, and that they were sort of um, secret uh, things that they had to do. And um, sort of didn't, but just just by I was in a, a rear gunner, and uh, of course there's no rear turret, it's just a, a gun position there, and of course we had point fives instead of three or threes, and um, yes, well sometimes we used to go in in with the RAF and and block the German system in that in that area. That's what it is. It's it's, it's, it's a, to fool, fool the journalists radio system. Uh, I'm not, not so good at explaining myself. <laughs> it's, it's using the electronic, um, uh, we're using radio, radio system to, to block their radio. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you know, how we went about it, uh, now we did a, an operation on Pilsen in Czechoslovakia one night. Of course, we had to go over Switzerland to get there. And um, uh, but see, the, the Germans probably didn't think we'd come in from that area, you know, and uh, uh, and give cover for the for the actual bombing raid. And it's it's funny we went through we went through Pilsen and all the uh, few years later, oh, probably seventy three. It is a big tour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I never got to high rank. I uh, was a sergeant all through the, uh, um, through the, uh, and I got my commission just at the end of the war. Okay. So how close were you to the bomber stream when you were doing the countermeasures stuff? Oh, oh right, right with them. So you were practically in the stream. Yes. Oh right. Yeah. And how many of your type of aircraft, your squadron's aircraft, would go out in the stream? Would they be? Throughout the stream? No, no, well, because we didn't fly actually at, at night, um, you know, like the Americans of the daytime. Um, uh, we, we, we took off and had a rendezvous over Reading, generally, in the south of England, and then 
flew to point B in France, and uh, and that's when we sort of, if there was, if they were going to bomb Cologne, uh, we'd send perhaps seven of us to Essen, and another seven of us to, to Bonn, and have the main attack on Cologne. Right. And see, it would look on the German radar system that uh, there, there was uh, uh, going to be three attacks. And uh, so they would, uh, uh, you know, have to uh, uh, put their strategy here with that attacks coming from there. Mm. Right, right. And the red in your logbook, that's nighttime flying, is it? It's all nighttime, all nighttime. All nighttime yeah. yeah, I didn't do any uh, daylights on. Uh, so I see here you've got fighter affiliation versus mosquito. How, how did you find trying to. Um, uh, repel an attack from a mosquito at night. Was that difficult? Or? Oh, no, well, that, that, that was in the daytime. Oh, that's daytime, isn't yeah, it? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did one with a pocker wolf too at uh, Farnborough. Oh, yes, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm. Did you actually have any um, genuine German fock wolves or Messerschmitts attack you guys? Oh, yes, we did a fock wolf one night. As, uh, uh, I couldn't get the elevation to get him, and uh, I don't think they. Mid up a gun, I was asleep or something like that. Uh, we uh, we should have got that fellow that night. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, another time uh, you'll see them uh, 50, 150 metres away at night, see this, you know, follow us and that sort of thing, and uh, and then uh, uh, wait for the opportunity to, to have a go. And it was, you know, we sort of waited for to get down on some clouds and and that's on their way back. Yeah. Right. I see there you've got Yonkers 88 got close. Uh, yeah, that'll yeah. be the one. Yep. Yeah. What was the scariest moments for you? Nuremberg. Nuremberg. Yeah, well, we lost 24 kites there one night and it was only about a... That, that wasn't from all our squadron, it was some from our squadron. We lost 24 out of the 100 on mm, That was terrible. Yeah. Well, here it is here. Oh, yeah. 24 kites lost. Nuremberg. Yeah. yeah. One interesting uh, slide, David, is uh, the one we went up, um, um, went up the south of, up the south of Norway, over the south of Norway. Yeah and down through Sweden and gave cover for a, for, for a raid in the Baltic at a little an island there called Sassnitz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was our longest trip. It was nine hours, I think. Boy, it was just a long time to be shut up. Because you haven't got a turret here, you've got a, a gun position there. Did you find the gun position uh, more limiting than the turrets that you'd been in previous oh, yes. aircraft? Yeah. Okay. The only difference was that uh, they got a surprise from the, uh, with the um, 0.5mm ammunition. Mm. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> mm. Now, there's a lot of silly fellas, you know. Uh, my, my pilot said, you know, if, if, you, if you see any a, a, a sinking shots, have a go at him, but just be careful because uh, if you fire, you're going to 
opened it up for several others. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and there, there was a pretty good lesson, to re really. Yeah. Because everybody will see you once you start firing. That's right, yeah. yeah. And what about the social life on the squadron? Uh, you know, what was life like outside oh, of the flight? Well, see, two or three of them were married, and uh, uh, oh no, we had some uh, plenty of leave. We, you know, and, uh, uh, I saw a lot of England, and uh, I like it very much. Yep. What, what was the base that you were at with the B-17s? Uh, with the, um, that was at Olton, O-U-L-T-O-N. It was in uh, Norfolk. Oh, right. Yes, about 13 miles, uh, I think it was northwest of, of, of uh, Norwich. Norwich. Mm. Okay, so that's uh, that's quite separate from most of the bomber squadrons, wasn't it? Uh, oh, no, there's a lot of a lot of squadrons around us there. Okay. Yeah, okay. and a lot of American squadrons too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A good place. Yes. Um, uh, I didn't find the people just quite so friendly in the in there, but they. Okay. Uh, oh, no, they they treated us well. I've, I've got no complaints. Uh, you know, we the food was. Uh, <laughs> Pretty monotonous, but you know we we're never short of feed. Uh, food it was, it was a wonderful thing by the British people, and uh, yeah, to see the D-Day, we were coming back from a raid. It was just right at the end of the war. It was, uh, uh, we were coming back uh, about four in the morning, and uh, uh, it was just breaking day. And uh, looked down, and. Uh, um, uh, Called up the skipper and said, "Gosh, look down below! All the planes going in the opposite direction." Right. And that was the first we'd heard about. Uh, and and they were um, Dakotas and uh, uh, you know pulling uh, um, the, the gliders. Gliders, yes. yes. Mm. Wow. Mm. I went over to uh, to the celebrations of that uh, um, D-Day landing. Uh, uh, the 60th one, and we just just had the 70th a while ago. Yes, yeah. And, uh, we had five nights in Paris, and uh, uh, it was very good. Right. Mm -hmm. Were you the only B-17 squadron based in Britain for the RF? No, there was a squadron of Liberators as well. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Two, two, three. They were, the they, they were there for the same purpose, but uh, they weren't as manoeuvrable as the as B-17s. Mind you, the, the Coastal Command had some B-17s too, didn't they, I think? They may have done yeah, too. I think they did. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, so you'd probably be the last Kiwi around that flew in the B-17s, I would imagine. I suppose it wouldn't be a hell of a lot around now. No. Uh, no. Well, that's really nice. So I knew Lewis Monroe quite well. Uh, right, yes. Yeah. So he died just recently. Just recently, uh, yeah. Well, he was farming not far from me in uh, the King Country. Oh, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it, um, one or two things I'd have liked to have seen a bit more of was uh, 
the mounted rifles, you know, uh, it's the oldest squadron in the country, yeah. and um, uh, it just sort of faded as a oblivion. Nobody's ever got in touch with him for reunions and that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. So. That's the was it Queen's Alexander? Queen Alexander mounted rifles. Yeah. Yeah, I think they got they got merged into another unit or something, didn't they? Something like that. I'm not mm. sure. Mm. Where are they still going? Are they? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's definitely, there's still a few mounted rifle units around, but they're not mounted on horses, of course. They've got uh, the Pinsgowers and various other vehicles. Uh, but um, There was actually a big celebration earlier this year. I saw pictures on the internet. Um, I think yes, it was too. It was at Palmerston like North, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Linton or somewhere yeah. around that area. Yeah, well, yeah. well you know, I, I, I thought, well, I'd get an invite for that, but... Uh, yeah, it's sort of, yeah, those are good days too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so so you uh, you would have had a horse? Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's all horses everywhere. Those, those yeah. So was it your own horse or was it an army yes, owned horse? Yes, my own horse, oh, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so all those big, you know, big blocks of land owned by big landowners and uh, you know, but tie happy and all up around that area, Parmesan, and all took that in, and Taranaki as well. And right. It was about 600 in, in, the, in the last camp I was in. Oh, okay. Mm. Wow. Oh, great sight to see all those horses. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. It would be, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you'd never see that kind of thing again. No. Mm. Yeah. So, and what sort of duties were you doing? Um, that point from 1940 when you went in um, full time yeah. uh, in the army before you joined the air force, were you just doing training and patrols and things like that, or? Yes, well they they just done away with the horses. They had the horses at Lavinia, yeah. And uh, my brother was uh, and had the one brother, and he he was in that uh, and they had the horses at Lavinia too. And uh, but that's when they were fated out and was uh, um, transferred to the. Second armoured fighting vehicles, something. Uh, I mightn't have that quite right, but yeah. uh, it, like, like Bren Garden carriers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. And is that what you were doing too in the Bren? Well, I would have, but see, uh, I didn't get the opportunity because I wasn't going to continue in the army. Yeah. And uh, so we were sent to do a lot, a lot of jobs that uh, they didn't want the army personnel to do. So. Right, right. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was the same, you know, when we come back from the war, um, um, I got, I got, I was engaged to my wife before I went overseas, and uh, uh, it was just uh, this weekend, uh, 70 years ago, that we came back. Oh, right. And um, the, the, we were supposed to go to Wellington, but the wolfies wouldn't unload us there, so so we went to Christchurch. Incredible, isn't it? In this crowd. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, so, uh, and then I, my, my parents lived in Monganui, and um, then I was in for ballots for a long time for, for farms, and, right. and then I went Shambulking, Shambulking, that would have saved a thousand a year doing that, it was hard yagger, right? yeah. Yeah. and then I got my own farm um, in the King Country, and uh, 
it's a lovely country in there. Yeah. yeah. That people don't realise what good country there is there. Yeah. And then uh, we've got five children, so um, you know, it's secondary education for them. And uh, my um, uh, wife's parents were both school teachers, so. I was a bit lucky because they took the uh, two girls, the eldest girls, down to Wainuipa. They went to secondary school there. Oh, right. And then I bought a property up there, Pukekohe, uh, just 250 acres, a lovely property. And uh, and uh, the two boys went to uh, uh, Wesley College. And, right, right, right. Mm. Yeah. Now, the, the first squadron that you were on, and you crashed on the first takeoff yeah. uh, for an operation. How long were you on the squadron before that? Oh, no, not, not very long. Just a couple no. of days, sort of. Yeah. Oh no, it'd be longer than that. Probably two or three weeks. That's, oh, yeah. that's about all. So you got a little bit of a taste of the squadron and the people. Oh yes, yes. Because that that squadron, they had a mix of aircraft, didn't they? Didn't they have Lysanders and things as well? Ah, uh, not all of yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, it might have been a bit later. Yeah. A place called Thamesford. Uh, mm. uh, 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 I don't know. Good to look back on. But, uh, yeah. I think I'd be in big company next time. <laughs> yeah. The the um the aircraft that you crashed in, the Sterling. Yeah. Was it loaded up with ammunition? Yes, or steam guns. So, and yeah. so that would have started going off as well, I suppose, once you. Uh, no, they weren't too bad, really. Oh, right. Yes, that's lucky. Yeah. 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 Mm. Wow. Uh, I'm amazed that you all survived it. Oh, we were only about forty foot off the ground. That, that's why it's not even registered in the in the logbook. We've been right. Because it wasn't a real flight. <laughs> it wasn't a real flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the RF tips. Ah. Wow. So there's no other stories that come to mind of flying or the squadron or anything? No, not really, Dave. I was, uh, you know, uh, it was the time that I wasted really uh, before I got in the Air Force and, uh, and that, um, you know, I had four years and ten months service and, uh, you know, it's a big whack out of a man's life and uh, um, all I wanted to do was to uh, to get married and get a farm. Yeah. And I tried to forget about the war. Yeah. Well, we didn't talk about it much. We, you know, we had a little RSA at this place where we were, I was farming and uh, we used to go down and have a few beers, but we'd talk about uh, you know, who's a local team going to play on Saturday. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's only come back recently, really. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much. It's been fascinating to uh, get oh. a chat with you, and and uh, I think, quite honestly, I think you're the first B17 man I've met. So, oh, no. <laughs> and I've met a lot of uh, veterans. So, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, that's really good, Dave. Huh? Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Hopwood.